Today we start a new sermon series from Philippians. I'm so looking forward to this. Today's scripture reading comes from Philippians 1, verses 1 and 2. Two verses. And let's read aloud together. If it's ready, if not, then I'm just going to read by myself. But it's okay. So listen in. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is God's word. Please be seated. I was also very encouraged last night uh, with a gala dinner uh, that was put together by Korean ministry and English ministry uh, together. And really, there's a generational blessing. The scholarship ministry and vision began by seniors of our church that they really wanted to raise the future generation. Uh, Some of them actually have really gave the portion of their estate where some of them are like just collecting and saving uh, monthly allowance uh, to really give, pass down to the next generation. And it was also encouraging to see our New Hope uh, leaders and members stepping up to really uh, frontier uh, this ministry. So hope and pray that we'll continue on each year. Uh, And Kingdom of God, uh, it's really being um, raised by leaders and disciples of our Lord, uh, Jesus Christ. There are so many announcements, and we have a communion. It's 10-10 already. So um, I have to do a sermon in like 10, 15 minutes, so I will do my best. We're beginning um, the book of Philippians with a series called Pouring Out from Abundance. Our theme for this year is life being poured out. And we began uh, this year by saying that we cannot give something that we don't have. Uh, In order for us to really pour out life, we need to receive God's abundance first and give from abundance, pouring out from abundance. Therefore, we want to actually spend the next uh, three months or so uh, going through the book of Philippians uh, together. And today's title is Abundant Joy in prison, abundant joy in prison. The mystery of experiencing the abundant life is revealed in Christ. We're talking about abundant life that is not dictated by circumstance, situation, conflict, suffering, problems. That it is not really shaken by those external Uh, criteria. Let me ask you a question because when Jesus said and he came to give us abundant life, how many of you are truly experiencing God's abundant life in your everyday life? Though we say that we believe in Christ, many of us, uh, we don't really experience such abundance We feel like we're constantly lacking. Many of us are facing difficulties. We feel uptight. There are times that we struggle because we feel like being so small, that we want to be bigger, 
We want to embrace and forgive. We want to reach out and share. Uh, even hearing about this testimony or scholarship, people really giving and sharing, and yet we feel like we cannot do it because we don't have enough. Constantly we feel like we're lacking. It is true that many young people or even older congregation members facing this uncertainty in the future. You don't know what tomorrow holds for your life. I had a chance to talk with a lot of young professionals, especially our church. We have a lot of you know, families in their 30s and 40s. And I asked them, so how are you doing these days? And many of them are struggling. During pandemic, many of them actually bought house. Even though they're working like full time and like double, like husband and wife working together, man, like mortgage, prime rate, Uh, and people who are renting are also going through a difficult time. So I asked them, so how do you survive? There's no other way. We just need to cut our budget left, right, center. We have to give off our vacation. We have to forego uh, some of the enjoyment that, that we're able to enjoy. So many of them are worried and stressed. What about students? Uh, you are studying and yet there is no guarantee in the future. You're not hearing positive news. Then what is the difference between Christians and non-Christians? What does it mean for us to really experiencing abundant joy in Christ? Does it mean that the moment that we believe in Jesus Christ, everything resolves? Somehow that God will pour out financial blessing? We're not believing in prosperity gospel, and yet, what does it mean for us to really hold on to the promise of God? And someone like Paul, who was in prison, who was captured, not by his own guilt or sin, but for good cause, that he was preaching the gospel. He was serving God, and yet, he was in prison. What was the secret for someone like Paul and other biblical men and women of God who were able to really thrive their spiritual state even though going through a difficult journey or life circumstances? So that's what we are going to study together, the secret or mystery behind of having abundant joy or life in our lives. lives. But I think we have to begin uh, by knowing a little bit of background of Philippians. Uh, as we know that Philippians was uh, one of the prison epistles that Paul wrote this letter when he was in prison, uh, along with Ephesians, Colossians, and Philemon. These four letters were written by Paul when he was in prison. And notice that when you're reading along uh, the letter of Philippians, that Paul was very intimate with the readers of Philippi. The church members, uh, the congregation members are very connected emotionally, spiritually with Paul. So that you can notice that Paul was using a lot of affectionate words, expression, uh, such as like a mother writing letter to daughter. or father writing letter to child. There was a lot of affectional 
expression that you are able to discover. So what kind of relationship Paul had with Church of Philippi? If you read Book of Acts, especially chapter 16, as Paul was journeying and he visited uh, Philippi, he began to preach the gospel. And some of the women gathered together to hear the gospel. And one particular person, her name was Lydia. She was a businesswoman. Uh, when she heard the gospel, she was transformed. And she became so passionate, wanted to support. And a lot of commentators uh, predicting that Lydia was a wealthy businesswoman. Uh, she had a large size of business. Not only that, she had a huge house. Uh, enough so that she was able to host church, house church. So we think that the church of Philippi was not meeting in a church building like this, but they were meeting at Lydia's house every day or every week to worship God, to go through discipleship, and they were able to really be used by God for the kingdom of God. So someone like Lydia, and we also hear Yodia, Syntyche, Epratidos, these people were uh, the members of Philippi supporting Paul through prayer, but also financial contribution. So they were the ones really supporting and funding missions for Paul. We all know that when Paul was in prison, they were also sending money to support for other churches and ministry. So you can imagine what kind of relationship Paul had with the members of Philippi. They were very close. They were very intimate. So let's say that you're writing a letter to someone that is really dear to you, very close, special relationship, and you are in prison. What would you say? You know, for me, if I were to write a letter to people that are really close by, that I trust, if I'm in prison, I'm going to say this, you know, get me out of here. Life sucks. What am I doing here? I'm in prison. I'm stuck. God is not fair. You know, like probably my law, like uh, raw emotion. Be very, very frank, honest, transparent. And Paul was not faking. When he was writing this letter to the members of Philippi, this letter is full of abundant joy blessing, joy, thanksgiving, gratitude. Once again, Paul was not faking, but he was really genuine, writing honestly what he was going through in a spiritual walk with the Lord in prison. So what was the secret behind? And there are two things that I want to share with you since today's uh, intro message and we're running out of time. Number one, Turning a place of sadness into a place of joy in Christ. We think that when we are in a certain setting, particular life circumstance, we need to get out of it because we feel like we're bogged down with sadness. Sandra Steen said, the tears of joy and the tears of sadness come out from the same eyes. So therefore, the same place actually can be a place of sadness. On the other hand, that place can be also the place of joy as well. So what kind of setting are you in? What kind of life circumstance you are going through? 
some of you, you feel like you are stuck. In fact, uh, one of our um, Korean congregation families going through very, very devastating time. They came to Canada with a visiting visa. They've been staying here for three, four years. Uh, their um, insurance, health insurance being expired. And their husband got uh, sick and he's hospitalized right now. And every day they are paying $5,000 cash. And they cannot go back to Korea because cannot fly because of his health reason. Devastated. What do you do in that situation? Some of your parents are owning convenience stores, small businesses where they don't make any money, but by opening up, they are losing money. And yet there's no other way to escape. Uh, some of the congregation members are going through marital issues. You feel like you're stuck, but full of sorrow, mourning, brokenness. Some of you feel like you're stuck because you made a mistake. You made poor choice in life and you feel like you have to be stuck with the responsibility. Failures, brokenness. So how do we experience joy in that place? The reason why many of us were stuck with sadness is because we want to really deny that we want to avoid that's why we're stuck with sadness in order to turn the place of sadness into a place of joy first we have to recognize we have to say we have to face it and we have to be very honest before the lord that we are sad and it is okay for you to be sad it is okay for you to mourn and cry out to God and say, God, I am sad, I am miserable, I am going through a difficult season. I remember going through some of the situations that was really challenging and I feel like being a pastor, I always have to be okay and pretend that I am strong. But I remember that one particular conversation, I was talking with my mentor, and he said, Jason, you know what? It's okay for you to say that it is hurtful. It is okay that you are going through a difficult time. And it is okay for you to let other people know. Did you know that Jesus was sad? Jesus also wept. Jesus never negated his sadness but many times we think that we as a christian we have to be always happy be happy or everything's positive no when life is tough it is okay it is very natural for you to be sad but we don't end there we have to know why we are sad and bring that sadness to christ we have no ability to turn our sadness into joy, but as we bring the sadness to Christ. Because oftentimes we have this misunderstanding of life. We have wrong expectation. 
And we think that that's faith. We think that believing in Jesus will resolve everything financially or relationally. But is it really? Yes, there are times that God may provide financially, but that, that there are seasons where God may not bring financial provision. Think about it, Philippi, uh, Philippi Church. Actually, they were gaining more before Christ. Their business were flourishing before Christ, and yet because they have received Jesus Christ, there were unfair tre uh, treatment and transaction. Many of them they lost and they had to forego. If you think that believing in Jesus, Jesus Christ will resolve everything and you'll be just fine and on the road of red carpet, that is wrong gospel. And yet when Paul was in prison, he repeats the word joy 19 times. The external circumstance did not change. He was still in prison, and yet how come he was able to really let out his joy repeatedly again and again and again? It was not just positive thinking, I'm happy, I'm happy, I'm joyful, I'm joyful. He was genuinely experiencing joy. Why? Because Paul was able to connect his suffering, problem, conflicts with Christ. He was able to integrate joy with suffering. And I'm not saying that the suffering will bring joy, because some of you are going through suffering and yet you're not going through any kind of joy. You're sad, right? Because you're not able to connect the thoughts between the will of God that is hidden. The purpose behind the suffering, the purpose why you are in prison right now. We're talking about suffering in Christ, not suffering itself. That Paul was able to trust in God's sovereignty, that God's intervention. Even though we may go through sadness and suffering in our lives, if we trust that there's a clear purpose of God and there's a meaning behind, though we don't know right now, right away, that God knows what he's doing. Yes, you are going through sadness, and you don't know why, and yet if you are able to trust that God is doing something in the midst of the place of sadness, God begins to give you understanding and lenses to see, and when the suffering is being interpreted by the will of God, gradually the sadness being sanctified into joy in our lives. So your sadness, suffering, how is it connected to the will of God? When you're journeying through and there's a you know, huge rock, you can see that as a stumbling block or you can see that as a stepping stone of your life. 
when I visit hospital and there are people who are going through sickness, and I hear uh, different types of response, uh, where one person may respond, I'm so angry at God. Life is not fair. Why me? Whereas uh, another person responding, has said, you know what? Up until now, when people share that they are sick and they're going through difficulties, I used to just comfort that but without really understanding. But now, me being sick, I'm truly able to comfort them wholeheartedly. Do you see that as a stumbling block or stepping stone for you to grow spiritually? Secondly, turning bondage into freedom in Christ. Paul was in prison, and yet he's free. Why? Because he knew exactly why he was in prison. He knew what kind of bondage that he was in, for what cause. Whereas many of us were physically free, you're free, and yet you're in bondage. You are spiritually in bondage, emotionally in bondage, in your mindset you are in bondage. And how do we have freedom in our life? First, we need to know what is binding us. What is binding you? If you don't know what is binding you, you will never be free. What kind of bondage are you in? A couple of weeks ago, um, my wife sent me this article. Uncertainty is at the root of all anxiety. Uh, it was published in Fortune magazine. It was a very interesting article because many of us, we are struggling and we feel paralyzed because there's uncertainty in our lives. We don't know what tomorrow holds. So constantly anxious. Things go well, we're anxious. Things go bad, we're anxious. In fact, many of us, it's instilled in our brain, even growing up, and how we process and how we think in our everyday life. It is so much engraved in our brain so that automatically we always go through anxiety. And reading this article, you know, like there are stories. Uh, someone who grew up in abusive father or parenting, not certain, right, when father will be physically abusing, right? So always, like, every day, like, going through fear and anxiety, right? What kind of day today is going to be? Uncertain when parents fight, like, mom will just, like, run out of the house and having this, like, fear and anxiety. We have uh, some of the members sharing, like when they were young, all of a sudden their mom passed away or father passed away, uncertainty of losing someone through death or loss. I heard a story of someone who used to live in very comfortable life and then came home and then all of a sudden their family bankrupt, being kicked out of their house. And all this maybe experiences somehow engraved in our 
And the, one of the natural response from fear and anxiety is like doing everything over. Overworking, over-controlling. Uh, some of the parents, uh, you are over-controlling, over-protecting your children, right? Because you feel anxious. Some of you who went through financial difficulty when you're growing up, you feel like, you know, you need to have like tens of thousands of dollars in your bank account and yet you still feel uncertain and you feel anxious. Over-controlling, over-protecting, over-reacting, over-performing. And you feel like you need to be perfect. And that kind of bondage that we are in constantly being bowed down, that we are never free. You know, I was going through that too. Uh, when I became a pastor, I wanted to serve people. And one of the joy is like when everyone's happy. And that became bondage because I wanted everyone to be happy. But even today, I'm sure you're not happy or some of you are not happy, and realize that doesn't matter how much I try, I can never make everyone happy. And realize that even when Jesus came, not everyone was happy. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, and religious leaders, they were upset. And came to realize if Jesus cannot make everyone happy, you know what? That is bondage. That rather than trying to do ministry to make people happy, I need to serve God and please God. And yet many of you, you are in the bondage. Maybe you are in the bondage of your circumstance. You are in the bondage of a person. Maybe some of you, you feel like you're in the bondage of marriage. Somehow if you leave or walk away from that setting or relationship, you'll be free. Some of the students, you feel like you just began orientation and reading through the syllabus, man, you are stuck or you are in the bondage. Man, get me out of here. Some of us in the bondage of finance or bondage of addiction, bondage of deception, sin, past, hurt, disappointment. You need to know what is binding you. And yet Paul, even though physically he was bound, and that never changed, and yet he was free because his spirit and also his mind towards Christ was free, or in fact, it was not free, but it was bound by Christ. It was bound by the gospel. It was bound by the gospel and greater calling and purpose of God. If you're bound by something that, that you love, you're passionate. Isn't that what it is when you get married? Like you want to be bound by that person because you love that person. You want to be bound by that person rest of your life. And your family is a blessing. I mean, for me, church or ministry is a blessing. I am bound. Weekly, I have to preach. I have to be spiritually on, but you know what? That itself is a blessing for me because that caused me to pray. 
God caused me to be spiritually alert and guard myself. Even though I am bound, I am blessed. If you are bound, not by worldly things, but by greater purpose, greater call. So students, if you are bound by GPA, if you are bound by those things, that you are stuck. But if you are bound by God's call, greater purpose, that you are able to really thrive and be free. Mothers, parents, if you think that you are stuck by raising your children, you are sad. You are stuck, and yet if you think that God is doing something in the family, you are bound by God's call, you are able to really give life and being free. That's why Paul was saying, Paul and Timothy, servant of Christ Jesus in verse 1, if you translate even more accurately, he's addressing himself, I am a slave. Paul was not bound by prison, but he was bound by Christ. Jesus Son of God, Messiah, bound by human limitation, earthly, bodily form, limiting himself for better or bigger cause to redeem us and save us. And he was bound on the cross. So the question is, it's not about that we are stuck, whether we are physically prison or not, but our mind, our spirit, our relationship, are we bound in Christ? That gives us freedom, gives us life. But many of us were bound by our own self-centeredness. I repeated this again and again, you know, is earth is never the center of the universe. Sun is the center of the universe. But if you're bound by yourself, you feel like everything is sad, everything's going negative. Once things a little bit like, you know, go wrong way, way that you did not expect. But if God becomes a center, you see earth and everything else is bound by sun, the center, and that gives order, that gives life. So let me end today's message with verse two, conclusion. Grace to you and peace, the key word from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, the source the root. So, brothers and sisters, are you in Christ? Is Christ is a center? Is Christ is a source of your life? Because if he is, though you may be in a sad place, that sadness will turn into joy. Even though you're bound by something, that will lead you to freedom. And I hope and pray that we'll be able to experience that. Let me end. When Jesus becomes the source of our lives, everything, everything changes. Let's pray together. Jesus himself declared, I came to give life that is full, abundant. If you say that you believe in Jesus Christ, you are in Christ, and yet you feel like never experienced abundance, fullness of life, 
you feel like constantly something lacking. You feel like you are the one holding or end up with a somehow unfairness. Maybe it is time for us to be very transparent and come before the Lord. Maybe we are bound by ourselves. Fears and anxiety, wrong expectation, wrong understanding of God, what life should be. But let's come before the Lord. Let's really bind our mind, our life's purpose in Christ with His promise. greater calling that everything that we do let's pray together with benediction heavenly father we thank you for your life in order to give us a life you yourself went through the bondage And Lord, help us to be bound by you, bound by life. The gospel of Jesus Christ. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, unconditional love of our God the Father, fellowship of the Holy Spirit be upon the people of God who hold on to, cling on to the promise of God's abundant life. that is not dictated by circumstance or any life situation, but only through Christ, now and forevermore. Amen.